This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for The Vacationing Libby Zneimer. Mental health is a difficult topic for many, and as we age, we often focus on physical aches and pains, ignoring signs of anxiety, dementia, depression. You'll hear from the author of 50 Plus and Healthy, what you need to know about mental health and healthy aging for you and your loved ones. And the Ford government launches a long-term care pilot project aimed at helping end hallway health care. North York General Hospital's involved. Its president and CEO will be along later to explain. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Research from the University of B.C. suggests those who are unconscious and near death can still hear. Comforting news for Hillary Jordan of Victoria, who says she always believed her unconscious husband Ian could hear her over the 30 years she spent talking to him before he passed away two years ago. I said something to him before he passed, which made him know that it was okay to leave us. And I had never said those words before. So shortly thereafter, he did pass. I I do believe that he, he could hear. I want to believe that he did. The study can be found in scientific reports. Author Joanna Cole, whose magical school bus books transported millions of young people on extraordinary and educational adventures, has died at the age of 75 of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Magic School Bus Books, tens of millions of copies were sold, were the basis for the animated TV series of the same name in the mid-90s and a sequel series that ran in 2017 and 18. 80-year-old queen of rock and roll Tina Turner's just released a remixed version of her 1984 hit. Turner told Zoomer Magazine in a cover story last year her longest love affair has been with her audience. Incidentally, Canadian Zoomer rocker and photographer Brian Adams shot that cover. Good news for fans of the Motown sound. They can now... Detroit's Motown Museum has reopened, and in the name of COVID safety, they've given it the Motown treatment. First visitors are given a health questionnaire, get their temperatures checked. If all's fine, they get a sticker that reads... To keep visitors at the recommended physical distance, they're required to stand on record-shaped decals on the floor. The former Hitsville, USA building had been closed since March. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
There's more to being healthy than staying physically fit. Mental health is just as important, but a lot of the time gets buried beneath the stigma that surrounds it. Unfortunately, those long-held negative beliefs have led to nearly two-thirds of the world's population refusing to seek help. Dr. Morali Rao is a geriatric expert and psychiatrist from Loyola University Medical Center in Chicago. He's also written 50 Plus and Healthy, what you need to know about mental health and healthy aging for you and your loved ones. Why come out with this now? What prompted you to write it? The pandemic? Not at all. Way before that, I've been practicing geriatric psychiatry for a good many years, the very first batch of geriatric psychiatry that opened as a sub-specialization and with that group. So over the years, uh, I have seen elderly parents uh, brought by family members, mostly children. And uh, as the parents are either getting treatment for depression and more than depression mixed with dementia, memory loss, uh, then the children who bring them, as they get to know us, start inquiring about, is this going to happen to me? Will I end up like this as I go, get much older? So not, this book was with them in mind so that they understand how to take care of, how to recognize first of various mental ailments that uh, appear in the elderly in particular and also prepare themselves to age in a healthy manner, healthy aging. And uh, so this is for that group because the elderly that they bring usually give very little information and a lot of information to practice geriatric psychiatry comes from the caregivers. And the caregivers are always curious about taking care of their parents. It's the so-called sandwich generation. So they want to take care of the parents and take care of themselves and their children. And, you know, so then they worry about what's going to happen to me. So so it will help thousands of people suffering from mental health issues, particularly depression, anxiety disorder, loss of memory. Uh, Actually, this book is for anyone suffering from or want to acquire knowledge on memory-related issues, later year onset, and the caregivers were struggling to know more. So 50% healthy is meant for um, anybody, uh, particularly middle-aged and above, and uh, to create awareness. And it's, it's written in very simple layman terms. There is no jargon at all. So it's a general reading, and it's very important to fight the stigma we have in dealing with mental illnesses. Have you noticed over the years, Dr. Rao, that more people were coming to you with questions and concern about their their parents' mental state? Correct, yes. The practice is ever-growing because as we are living longer, the life expectancy now, the latest would be for a woman, 79, for a male, 79, and for a female, it's going to be 81 years of age. So 100 years ago, it used to be 30s. So there have been progressive increase in longevity. So therefore, there's gradual increase. I mean, uh, the the 5.5 million Alzheimer's disease in the United States would 
be in next 10 years will be 8 or 10 million so it's a ever increasing population uh, because the neurodegenerative disorders as we age and live longer becomes more apparent do you think that mental illness is less of a taboo subject now or still on the same level you know the, the taboo or stigma is uh, better for you know younger people who are working and they feel stressed and get some counseling there the taboo is little less but for little more severe illnesses um, it's a kind of a disapproval of that individual directly or indirectly and uh, lack of respect for someone bad opinion of them because they have something the the society doesn't approve of the other name brief explanation of what stigma or taboo is going to be mm-hmm. uh, if we take this uh, stigma around dementia for example um, you know first of all dementia is a number of mental disorders of which Alzheimer's is the more common one uh, which about 60% of all dementias so there is particularly strong stigma about dementia so there could be external stigma there could be internal stigma the external is mostly uh, the rejection and fear that person will develop symptoms and develops unpredictable behaviors and uh, people will start slowly staying away from them and no longer extend invitations or uh, do activities with them it causes more and more isolation for the person and uh, which complicates the issue further and so there is a overall social and family rejection overtly or covertly and then for the person who is beginning to experience early stages of dementia he also has to fight with his or her own internal stigma uh, that is um, about going, having to go through mental confusion and having kind of a emotional shame that they're having this disease um, and, and the uncontrollability of the symptoms as it pro- progresses and uh, fear of being alone goes hand in hand with uh, having become a burden on somebody else. Um, you know, in recent years, we have seen some famous people, uh, the minute they learned that they had a incurable chronic uh, neurodegenerative disorder like Parkinson's or dementia um, have even before going through the uh, later stages or becoming dependent just for the fear of losing dependence they have killed themselves and uh, so this stigma is uh, what um, it should not be there at all and the only way to counter that would be creating awareness and education. That's another big purpose of writing this book. That was Dr. Morali Rao, author of 50 Plus and Healthy, What You Need to Know About Mental Health and Healthy Aging for You and Your Loved Ones. I'm Bob Komsik, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. The Ford government is launching a pilot project with North York General Hospital to give vulnerable or alternate level of care patients priority access to a long-term care bed to help reduce wait lists and hopefully end hallway health care. 
ALC patients are those who no longer need to be in hospital but remain because their status prevents them from going home and there's no space in long-term care. Dr. Joshua Tepper is president and CEO of North York General. Dr. Tepper, just how will this pilot project work? Yeah, so this will allow us, uh, we have a number of patients that are designated what's called advanced level of care, meaning they don't need to be in the hospital. And specifically, they've been identified as people who would like to move into a long-term care home. And as an organization, we also own and operate a long-term care home. And we'll be able for a small number of patients uh, to have them move straight from the hospital into the long-term care home across the street. How many? Uh, so we'll be up to a maximum of 18 at this time. This is a, a new project. It's a pilot project. And so we're going to start with 18 out of the roughly almost 200 beds that are there. So is the project now underway or when does it officially get underway? Uh, we'll be starting this in just the next few weeks. Uh, we've been planning for this. And so now that uh, it's been announced and we have the government support, we'll be able to probably have the first patient move in the next few weeks. And how long is this supposed to run? Uh, we're looking for about 18 months as the pilot, and it'll uh, give it. We'll collect a lot of different types of data uh, to uh, to evaluate it. So we're very excited about it, and we're pleased to have the government support. What are some of the types of things that you'll be collecting, looking out for to to see if this is helpful? Well, certainly, one thing we'll be watching very closely is does this help us reduce hallway health care? and the number of patients that we have in the hallway, particularly as we head into the flu season and this year flu season plus COVID. Uh, We'll be looking at uh, patient satisfaction. We'll be looking at uh, people coming back to the hospital for medical care, and hopefully we'll see people not needing to come back. Uh, So there's a variety of things, but certainly a really key indicator for us is the reduction in hallway health care. Okay, so whose idea was this? In other words, who reached out first, the hospital, the government, or was this just a a meeting of the minds and you were both Uh, mutually taking that step? uh, So this was, I think, an initiative from the hospital. Um, uh, We, again, because we're in a somewhat unique circumstance of of owning and operating both a hospital and a long-term care uh, and you know, we have people management going back and forth between the two. We really could see the opportunity, um, and uh, we were, you know, so it was our idea that we went and sort of shared with government because it, we we have a very significant problem with hallway healthcare, as do other hospitals. And uh, we did see this, you know, eighteen beds is, you know, it's 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 helpful, and um, we'll uh, and they were very receptive to it, and we have been working on this together for some time. If this shows signs of working early on, the government's indicated that it would consider expanding the approach to other hospitals and homes. What's your gut tell you? Do you foresee that? I do. I, I think I've, I've talked to some of my colleagues already about this, uh, both before the announcement and after, and I think there, there will be a strong interest in building this relationship. You know, I think one thing that's happened during COVID is there's been a lot more collaboration between hospitals and long-term care, uh, which has been positive. And I think this is just one more example post-COVID or in our new COVID world uh, of another example of how relationships can be built and we can have a more integrated healthcare system. Uh, I think we need to see the different parts of our healthcare system have smoother handoffs 
through to the movement of people between different parts. And this is an example of that. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we will uh, see more initiatives like this. The fact that North York General has this unique position of having Seniors Health Center right across the street, how accurate a picture will this help provide to indicate if the pilot is working or not? Yeah, that's a very thoughtful question. And first of all, there's a number of other hospitals that are owners and operators of long-term care homes. So we're not the only one. So I think there'll be many others uh, in a similar boat. And then the second item is I do think uh, that it might be a little easier for us as the shared shared operators and management team. Uh, but just be, I, I could imagine us doing this with other long-term care homes in, in our local community as well. And would it be a little trickier? Sure, but I do believe it would absolutely be feasible. Um, and so I, I do think there's an opportunity both for other hospitals or organizations that have, uh, that run both. Uh, but even if you don't, I still think I could imagine, I could easily foresee it working, where you reached out to a separate organization and, and figured out how to get more collaboration. Dr. Tepper, I would like to get your reaction to the recent announcement by the Ford government concerning improvements they'd like to make to long-term care. Your thoughts? Uh, I certainly welcome it. Uh, I think one of the things we've learned through this pandemic uh, is that we do need to uh, increase the quality of care and our investment in long-term care. And to be honest, for those of us who have been working in healthcare and working in long-term care, uh, including myself, we were aware of the need for more investments to be made. We know that there is a need for more beds, period. Uh, my organization, North York General, hopes to build a new long-term care home uh, with additional capacity in the near future. Uh, and we also know that even in the existing homes, there's a need uh, for more resources, for more staffing uh, to be able to support the existing homes. Uh, so I, I really welcome this. Uh, long-term care is a uh, important part of our healthcare system and needs the additional room and space and the additional in- investment. That was Dr. Joshua Tepper, President and CEO of North York General Hospital. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick. Be sure to come back next week when Libby Snymer returns to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.